why do you think I sound the same on podcast? Because you have the same pitch, like the same voice. But I don't have the same voice. It doesn't have to be that different, but it just sounds really the same. And it seems like you're saying the same thing over and over and over again, so it doesn't make the podcast different. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. Welcome to episode number 107 of Touchpoint. I am Reed Smith, as always, joined by Chris Boyer. Hey, Reed. Nice to talk to you today. I'm kind of excited about what we're going to get into today. Yeah, this should be fun. To spoil this, I guess, you know, we're going to go through this uh, Greystone study that they put out each year, the fourth annual state of digital healthcare marketing report. So it's just been out a few weeks now. And so we're going to go through that. So I'm sure some people have downloaded and read it. Some people have downloaded and planning to read it. Some people don't know that it exists. And so no matter what state you're in, this this ought to be good and give you something to, to go do and check out. So instead of clicking notes this is the read and chris notes <laughs> that's right although we're not really going to go through all of it you know one of the things that we're probably not going to talk a ton about that is in there and it's super interesting is some of the newer technologies that people are using because that's some of the stuff they ask folks that take the survey and i noticed uh there's some conversational stuff in there like chat bots have out have now made an appearance in the survey in the findings and, you know, our sponsor and friends over at Loyal know a lot about this because using powerful AI-driven solutions, Loyal has a solution called Guide that helps patients along every step of their journey from choosing a doctor and finding the nearest location to signing up for an event or a clinical trial. Whether you're using Guide's chatbot, live chat, or the powerful combination of both, Loyal's engaging conversational platform integrates seamlessly into your system, maximizing efficiency and improves patients' digital experience. If you want to learn a little bit more, all you need to do is schedule a demo over at loyalhealth.com slash demo and ask them about Guide, their conversational chatbot. And then once again, that's loyalhealth.com slash demo. And do us a favor. Be sure to let them know that Touchpoint sent. That's right. Well, we're going to go through, uh, like we mentioned, the fourth annual State of Digital Healthcare Marketing Report prepared by Greystone in partnership with Klein and Partners. And our interview a little later on is Mike Schneider, uh, Executive Vice President over at Greystone. So he's going to give kind of some of his thoughts and some of the takeaways and give you actually a little history uh, on why they do this and kind of how they got started. Uh, and he'll also talk about it if, you, if you'd like to participate, kind of when to be on the lookout for... Uh, those instructions. This is a really good survey read. Every time it comes out, I am always impressed by the kind of the breadth of stuff that they address in this. And they talk a little bit about the tactical, they go into different types of platforms people are using, but then they also waver over to the strategic applications of that. We kind of highlighted some areas of this study that we want to surface and talk about, but definitely know that we're not being comprehensive at all. This thing is very, very long. It's got a lot of stuff in it. Tons and tons of information. And it's very visual. And so lots of charts and graphs that you could use. Uh, and I would actually encourage you to use it uh, when talking about some of these things with your leadership. Some of these slides would be great to, to drop into some existing presentations uh, from internal stakeholders and things like that. We thought we'd jump in, maybe hit a few of the hot points. Well, Reed, why don't we start first with one of the things they titled this chart, the online digital marketing that's currently used at a hospital or a health system. It kind of goes through all the different approaches, all the different things. Um, no surprise, Reed, number one on the list, every hospital is using a website. Whew, thank goodness. <laughs> and you'll hear, you know, uh, Mike talk a little bit about his history in a little bit and, and how that wasn't necessarily the case when they were starting out way, way back when, way before the survey even. But I think it is safe to say at this point in time, there is a web presence uh, for all hospitals with the caveat that with some mergers and acquisitions and some small critical access type hospitals uh, might be without one for a short period of time. But in essence, everybody has a website or, you know, interesting enough uh, at the very bottom 
of this list is is voice search. And we see a few other things towards the bottom. But you see some things, not not platform specific like website, but things like geofencing, marketing automation, even dark posts on Facebook actually is on here. But anyway, it's kind of interesting to see I guess the spread and there are some little arrows out next to these on that kind of indicates, you know, which ones have made the biggest jump And reputation management is still middle way down the pack, but has made a huge leap forward, which I would find encouraging. This list doesn't really surprise me when I look at it, you know, the top four, like websites, social media marketing, online advertising, paid search marketing. But when you go deeper into the uh, survey itself, like the very next page, it actually talks about some of the online advertising techniques that are used. And this is where it gets kind of interesting to me as I look at that. The top two, no surprise, are Facebook and Google AdWords. But what surprised me is that Facebook is by far used by more people than Google AdWords is. That is kind of interesting. I, you know, I think one that jumped out to me, and again, you know, local websites is a category in here. There are some other social platforms like LinkedIn, for example, Twitter that you see kind of scattered through here. One that's interesting to me because I, I, I've been a proponent of this, and we, it's actually in this particular survey going backwards uh, is Pandora, kind of the idea of internet radio. So back in the third annual survey, uh, which would have been 2017, it was at 39%, uh, is now dropped down to 36%. I'd be curious, the people that that aren't doing it anymore, I wonder why. Uh, I don't know if you know it's just harder to understand what the return was, and so it just kind of fell off the radar. Most internet radio type, I guess, deployments don't have salespeople that are hounding you to, to be <laughs> up. So that's probably some of it too. Would be my opinion. We should probably do a whole episode about that because I kind of categorize Pandora with some other things that feel like, you know, more traditional advertising platforms like Pandora is sort of the digital version of radio spend. But then there's like other things like online ad networks, even local websites. To me, that feels like, oh, maybe what we're doing now is we're spending, we're taking our spend and transferring it from the traditional channels to bringing it more into uh, the digital channels. Maybe that kind of represents what this is showing to me. It could be. And you see a little bit of a jump, a 7% jump even on LinkedIn ads. And so I'm wondering if there's a more concerted effort around digital relative to recruitment. And it's harder to say, well, Pandora is a good idea for that. And so some of those dollars could have shifted to, you know, recruitment advertising, for example. One thing I want to point out is that only 2% of people say they do not advertise online. Only 2% of hospitals. Yeah. Whereas 7% are not sure. <laughs> they just have no idea. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Maybe they're serving the wrong person. Yeah. So social media, and I think this is a really interesting scale that you can look at. Uh, and it really talks about, are you doing it or not? So it's kind of an activity type thing, right? So you have an act, not just are, do you have an account? Is it an active account on this particular platform? And so obviously the highest, as you would guess, is from a utilization standpoint and probably just from an adoption standpoint, but from a utilization standpoint, it's Facebook. So 96% have an active account of those folks that they surveyed. Although 3% say they have no plans to use Facebook. Huh, interesting. This number validates to me what you've always been saying. You've said a couple times on the show is that when people say social media, most of the time they're meaning just Facebook because that's prominently yeah, what they're doing. A lot of times. But what's interesting though, Reed, is number two is YouTube. YouTube is still categorized as a social media channel. And oftentimes that is not under the auspice of the social media people. Uh, in my organization right now, YouTube is done by our creative team. And it's not seen as a social channel because, you know, there's not, I guess there's not a big sense of community management and reputation management on social media. It's just basically managing all the trolls that are commenting on your videos. Well, a couple of things that are interesting to me is the top four, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn, kind of the usual suspects, I guess, are all safely above 80% as far as the active account metric goes. And so that would that you know probably makes sense to most folks. Instagram's not far behind. Strangely enough, though, blogs, active, 67%. I find that hard to believe. Obviously, Greystone's not going to go out and validate that your blog is active. <laughs> like They're just going to take your word for it, you know, kind of a thing. That's the whole point of the survey. So I wonder how much of this is perception versus reality. You know, yeah, we, we have a blog. Absolutely. Yep, we do use it. Yes. You know, I, I don't know. It's interesting. 
That is interesting. The one right below that too jumps out at me. Google Plus, even though it's discontinued and no one and Google does is not supporting it anymore, and it's going to basically turn it off this year. Fifty three percent of hospitals are still have an active Google Plus account. Possible. It's impossible. <laughs> that can't be a thing. <laughs> Cannot be a thing, but it is interesting and it goes on down. And and what's funny is even Vimeo is here on the list, which a lot of people would couple together with YouTube, you know, a video sharing platform of some sort. Interesting. And 47% actively using Pinterest. I don't know a soul that uses it, but (laughs) apparently there are a lot. Almost half. When they use it, though, what are some of the ways that they're advertising on it, Reed, according to the study? Same type of scale, which is great. It's kind of like that active and you know versus inactive, but they categorize it as used within the past year, which I think is smart because some of this is campaign related versus plan to use in the next six to nine months, no plan to use, and I'm not sure. So leading the way, leading the charge is boosting Facebook posts. It, it's you know, quite honestly, the easiest to do, you know, the content's already there. You're clicking a button, picking some basic targeting in most cases and away you go. That's not crazy, but is by the tune of 10 percentage points, uh, outpacing Google AdWords at 82%. That just surprises me a lot. And in particularly because uh, many times from a marketing advertising perspective, you're really doing patient acquisition stuff. I think it's becoming more and more clear that Facebook, while it's a good part of your online journey, it's certainly not the part that helps patient acquisition efforts. It's funny because, again, I think that's a lot of just it's easy to do. Versus uh, AdWords, like you, you kind of have to know what you're doing a little bit, or at least have a, a semblance of knowledge about how you're targeting and running the campaigns. And you know, Facebook, you're already in the platform quite often. There's a big button you click. I'll be honest, one that's kind of interesting to me, uh, just looking through this list, it's actually uh, one of, if you get rid of Snapchat, which is at the bottom, the lowest used within the last year category is promoted tweets or Twitter. Yet it's got the highest percentage for the plan to use within the next six to nine months. But it's got the most potential? I don't know. That's an interesting one to me. You know, this study looked at what they're using. I I guess it doesn't give that qualitative assessment of how they're using it. If we cross-reference this with actually effectiveness of how they're using it, maybe that might be a different graph entirely. But that's interesting that promoted tweets are becoming like the next advertising channel that a lot of organizations are going yeah, and I wonder if it's just like we're going to give it another go. They're not really <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm, but you know, in all seriousness, it's just hard to understand. It wasn't a great metric initially, but you know what? We're going to circle back on that. Or it's used sporadically, therefore they haven't used it, but they're going to use it again. Or I, you know, who knows. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending. Uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. Let's move from some of this platform-related stuff over to the technology side of the equation. And they go into like the types of website software, CMS softwares are being used for external websites and internal websites. We won't really touch on that. The one I wanted to clue in on is something near and dear to me, which is like CRM. Not surprisingly, that in 2018, 59% of health systems now indicate they have a CRM. For those that have you know, gone to the healthcare-related conferences, you know, they, they do have some brand names in here. It's the usual folks that you see displaying at, at the different conferences and things like that. You see some little movement between you know, 17 and 18, 2017, 2018, as far as adoption or or the CRM vendor that's used, but it's a lot of the same folks. It has a a stat in here that among the 41% that that currently do not have a CRM, they then asked them a further question of their plans to, to ultimately implement a CRM. Don't have one. Do you plan to have one? And there was a big chunk, 23%, that, that don't know. 
couple of that with the 30% that answered not in the foreseeable future, over half of the 41% that don't have it currently probably are not going to uh, or don't really have any plans. That's really interesting. The way they look at that, they're just like not sure or not in the foreseeable future. And when we get into the next uh, data that we're looking at and how they're using it, maybe we can get some trends as to why there's such a great amount that are just like taking the big pass on all of this. One other thing they looked at is with a website and the CRM, how integrated are they? Right, which I think that kind of speaks into some of the qualitative applications of CRM. I would say about uh, what almost forty percent of them say the website and the CRM are integrated, but then on the flip side, fifty-one percent of them say no, or it's they have no plan to integrate, and then add the other ten percent which are not sure. So website and CRM integration, which really speaks to the good promise of a, a good marketing technology stack, is just something that a lot of organizations are still not at. Well, and just the twenty-one percent that said no, they're not integrated, and we don't plan to do it. I'm like, well, what what are you doing? Why, why do you have it? Anyway, it just it seems like a very logical integration point in most folks' minds, but it's just interesting to see that some aren't and, and aren't, don't plan to. Some of them obviously uh, feel like it is integrated, but not well enough. I feel like those folks will continue to work on that, like it's important. The very next page of the survey actually talks about how people are currently using CRM, and maybe this speaks to it, Reed, a little bit. The number one way people use CRM right now Overwhelmingly, number one, it, 77% say they use it for list pools. Which is even up 7% over the prior survey. The very next one down below that, by 10% less, is campaign management. So 10% of more people are using CRM just for list pools and not to manage their entire campaigns. It, that's interesting because the ROI reporting, which I thought was the whole point of this, has actually dropped by 7%. Uh, since the last time around. Only 59% of the folks that use a CRM use it to report ROI. It just seems like a really expensive way to pull a list. Yeah, very expensive. I'm not saying it's not a good, like you shouldn't do that. That just seems like an odd, that's the main thing we do. What is also surprising to me is the two things that dropped the most in terms of usage from this year over the last was list management which really is a good a good application of CRM to manage your entire customer database, but then performance monitoring. Yeah, so performance monitoring and ROI, which are two separate things in the survey, have dropped massively from the previous year. I don't I don't understand that. That that just sounds super. Int- I I don't know. I don't get it. But when you look at the metrics that people are actually using to measure CRM ROI, so again, I guess ROI is down. But the metrics that are being used to measure ROI, and this is something that you've talked about for, I don't know, 10 years now. You know, really, when we say ROI, what do we mean? Was this a good use of our time is a very different question than what the ROI is. Because if you say ROI, it, it predominantly or should only mean the financial metric, not was this a good idea or not? Was this a good use of our time? Was it you know helpful in some way? So when you look at this, there's a, there's one in here, conversions. Conversions is the, is the biggest one. And I don't know what they mean specifically by conversions uh, on this slide, but that's not really ROI. I mean, it could be. And then the other two being encounters and contribution margin certainly can be used to measure, you know, ROI, depending on how you have the, the, the downstream revenue or the dollars, you know, kind of attached to things. And contribution margin went down a little bit, but um, encounters actually jumped up quite a bit. So people are looking, the folks that are measuring ROI are really looking at, well, how is this actually providing additional growth to the organization, which is good. I'm also intrigued by 17% of the people that responded. They're just really not sure what metrics to measure ROI in the CRM will be. No wonder that overall, one of the findings is that people's confidence in their CRM application in hospitals and health systems is at an all-time low. Take that one step further. You can look a few pages on down and they survey people around, what are you planning to do in the coming year relative to really platforms and, and kind of bigger pieces of technology? And there are um, 
there's really six categories. The first one is upgrading the actual content management system. A few years ago, that was pretty high, almost 50%. It's dropped the last couple of years and it's at, at 29%. I guess that's upgrading what you're currently using. Outright changing is only at 24%. It's come up a little bit, but both of those categories have dropped down quite a bit. Quite a bit. One that I think is interesting to me, actually both of these are kind of interesting, is the redesign of the website and the redesign of the intranet. They have both grown a little bit, but redesign of the website, I mean, 49, almost 49% of those that are surveyed uh, say in the coming year, they're going to redesign their website. Are we just on that cycle? Well, the study is only four years old, right? So, but I do know that we're managing hospitals and health systems, it seems like every three or four years, you kind of go through that cycle. We're going through that right now in our health system. We're upgrading our current platform. We're going to be redesigning our website on top of that platform. That Those two things kind of go hand in hand for us. Um, we're kind of on that cycle right now. What's interesting, though, is the redesign of the website and the redesign of the intranet, that those two categories are still one of the most predominant thing that health systems do every year. So what was it like four years ago, the same number of people were doing redesigning their website and redesigning their intranet as they are this year. That's crazy. Well, the, the other one that, you know, outside, that was the content management system and, and the website and intranet as a whole, I guess, more from a design standpoint. But then the other two are, are CRM categories. So CRM system upgrade and CRM system change. Is there such thing as a CRM system upgrade? Is that a thing? Yeah, many of the marketing CRM companies, they do go through upgrades. Like, you know, maybe they acquire a new company and maybe they're integrating new services. Maybe they're upgrading their backend platform. It could be a variety of different things. Maybe it's not even a systemic upgrade. Uh, maybe it's like they're switching out their marketing automation technology. But what, again, a quarter of the people in the marketplace are upgrading and then another quarter are actually systemically changing their CRM this Ooh, year. Boy, that seems like a nightmare. I mean, it's hard enough just to get it in place the first time, then to rip all that back out and switch to something else, I think really speaks to the need for people to really understand what this stuff is doing. Because obviously they're not seeing the value. Well, clearly, I mean, they must not be getting the right list pool from the last CRM. So that's why they're upgrading, right? Clearly, <laughs> clearly. Let's talk about some of the tools that people use to measure ROI. I mean, this is really the, the thing that I love to talk about. I know you do too. But what blows me away every time I look at this is the tools that are used to measure ROI. Yeah. And CRM vendor is on here. It's in third place at 34%. So 34% of the folks they talk to use uh, CRM is a particular way. And I'm assuming you can like kind of check all that apply. Uh, I assume is kind of how this is done. Number one is Google Analytics. Well, that makes sense, right? You, if you set up your Google Analytics the right way, you could get all this great kind of metrics. So I can get that. But is anybody setting it up the right way? Or are we talking about ROI as like how we're tracking things? Because if you look through, if you look through here, number two is Facebook page insights. Well, how in the world is that tracking ROI? Hmm. Link clicks, maybe post clicks. I'm not sure. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I'm not sure exactly what that means. But anyway, CRM vendor is three. One thing that's kind of sprinkled throughout here are particular vendors, for example, um, their social media management systems. Like I see Hootsuite, I see Sprout, Sprinkler, TweetDeck, Buffer. I'd be hard pressed to figure out that, you know, to believe that somebody's using TweetDeck to measure ROI. I'm also comforted by the fact that clout is on this list. <laughs> well, and, and Radian 6 <laughs> that doesn't exist, you know. Uh, now, Radian 6 does exist, but it was purchased, which I believe at this point is now part of Salesforce Marketing Cloud. But 3% do not measure digital ROI. 9% uh, aren't sure. But it drops off pretty fast after Google Analytics and Facebook Page Insights. Yeah, it's like a hockey stick. Analytics is 82%. Facebook Insights is 62%. The next one is 34 That's CRM. And they just drop yeah, from there. Suite, Site Improve, Twitter Analytics, Meltwater. Um, Meltwater, you know, you potentially, I guess, can show some media value. You know, if, you, if your organization, you know, kind of get everybody to buy off on that scenario. 
So what do you think they're actually measuring? What are some of their KPIs that they're measuring, Reed? So digital uh, key performance indicators uh, is something that, that Greystone and, and Kleiner Partners ask. And, and again, I'm assuming this is kind of a check all that apply. And before we actually get into these, I think one call out box they, on, they have on here is, is super interesting that there is no significant change from 2017. So these are all locked in from last year. We're all as hospitals and health systems measuring these KPIs the same way. Yeah. I think it means a lot of like, I don't know. So we're just doing the same thing we did before. <laughs> okay. Well, let's hit the first one. The first one is the one that, that you and I both text message each other when we saw it, yeah, right? Yeah, we did. So the, the number one, 68% of those surveyed KPI that they identified were page views. Page views. Not, not pages per session, page views. Not page conversions. No. Page views. And I know I'm not trying to bash anybody here and I'm not trying to like, oh my gosh, I'm so much smarter than everybody else. It's taken us, us, quote unquote, hospital marketing folks, a long time to get people in leadership to understand even what we're talking about from a vernacular right, standpoint right. or whatever. This is one of those page views specifically is one of those that's really pretty easy to convey. It's like, well, what is page views? It's views of our pages. You, know, you can put that on a report and people go, oh, and it's it's something we've we've measured for a long time. So you can trend it. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's just that's that's the, you know, OK, wow. I mean, the second one, click through rates on paid search campaigns. Oh, OK, you know, I mean, we're paying money. You know, we're tracking activity. All right. We're getting, you know, that's that's better. Well, that also makes sense in that you can actually demonstrate that, right? You could say this ad had this much action, these many click-throughs. Mm-hmm. The next couple get a little bit more nuanced. Growth in social media engagement. You know, engagement being kind of a broad concept. Do they like it? Do they comment it? Do they repost it? I guess you could throw it all together, right? Uh, interesting how they're not clicking on growth and click-throughs from social media, but that's okay. I mean, I understand that. It's kind of native of the, the context. Unique visits to your website. Now we're getting a little nuanced. So these are newer people to your website. A couple of the things that I think are interesting on here that it's like, oh, okay, well, good. You know, it's like online class and event registrations. I'm assuming these were your calls to action. That's good. Requests for a particular service via the website, newsletter subscriptions, scheduled appointments. Yes, that's great. Uh, you know, even growth of your email list, I think, is is an interesting one. If you have a drip marketing type approach or something that you're doing to nurture these folks along the way. Online ratings is good. I mean, as we've seen the influx of transparency. Let's quickly hit the, the bottom three. Just so you know, these are going from anywhere from 24%, which is the third to the last, all the way down to 6%, which is the last one. Online doma- donations is number three. So they're measuring how many online donations. Considering that they asked really digital marketers, this doesn't surprise me. I bet you if you asked the foundation, though, they would be at a much higher rate. Well, and probably out of the folks surveyed, this is a smaller subset just anyway. You can pretty much just lop off all the for-profits. Not that they don't have a foundation, but they're not part of the organization typically. Yeah, they're kind of at, at arm's length or whatnot. Online bill pay is second to the last at 16%. So I, I get it. I mean, we're marketers. We don't really think about people are just going there to pay their bills. We're not responsible for billing them. We're not selling them products. But I tell you, I, I pay attention to that. It's a good metric to have. And the last one is online commerce. Only 6% of the people surveyed indicate that online commerce is a way that they're actually tracking uh, KPIs. That, to me, says that not many hospitals or health systems have the ability to actually do financial transactions for online products. Yeah, or maybe don't even have online products. And I guess it depends a little bit on like how people are classifying some of this stuff. It's like, can you pay for a class online or is that in the registration for classes bucket? We're, you know, we're talking a lot about websites and, you know, of course we you know mentioned technology earlier, but some of this is even just newer emerging functionality available on said website. And so we just mentioned online classes and event registration. That is, you know, the top of the list or right up at the top of the list, I guess. In their little call out box here, it says that they're seeing a renewed growth in some traditional transactional web mainstays. And so I guess some people are going back to some of this stuff. 
And so they've got event registration and event payment. Sometimes those aren't, you, you can't do both, or some organizations can't. They just allow for the registration. Some of them can allow for the payment as well. But both of those are right up at the top, which is good, you know, to see that be kind of new functionality, I guess, coming back online. Absolutely. Online bill pay is number one, uh, is like one of the biggest things that people are doing this year. Uh, even though we're not measuring KPIs around it, that's a that's a good functionality or an emerging functionality that we're seeing. Other things are related assumptively around that EMR too. They have a bucket here called EMR integration. Mm-hmm. That can mean a lot of things, right? Uh, more than just putting a link to my chart from your website, it could mean a lot of they're exposing more services through it. But then as we get into other things like online appointments, scheduling tools via tools like ZocDoc, et cetera, is still on the list at 29%. What's interesting to me about that is, is that that they were specific about calling out that that wasn't your EMR's online appointment scheduling tool. It's a third-party appointment scheduling tool. A couple of the things that kind of jumped out to me on here, quality reports has dropped down quite a bit. You know, uh, we saw a big surge into that a few years ago. And so I guess this is just, there's not as many people concerned. The ones that were concerned with it have done it. Provider ratings and reviews is is at the highest it's been over the four-year period because that kind of fits in that quality piece as well. One of the things I saw as a trend here that popped out too is those all of those transparency. When you think about transparency tools, you mentioned one, ratings and reviews is one of them, right? Uh, what are some other things? Well, quality transparency is on this list, but it's dropping. The other thing is pricing calculators. So pricing transparency is lagging. It's the lowest one on the list right now. We talk about like embracing transparency in the future. We, as looking at some new emerging functionality on your website, should really be thinking hard about what can we do to kind of hasten that rather than a drop as like what we're seeing now. And I think we'll continue to see more. I mean, there's not as much of a focus on like responsive and the multilingual content's gone down. So again, I think some of those that that was important to have done it, at least for now. You know, one thing we did see jump up just a little bit is the virtual appointment type stuff. It's kind of interesting to see, you know, functionality, what that looks like, I think, especially chatbot related type things and the transparency type components will continue to grow, in my opinion. Well, I think it might be good. We've hit a lot of uh, stats out of this report. It might be good for us to maybe to kind of jump closer to the end and hit some ones that are a little bit more strategic in nature. Yeah. They titled this chart, Digital Tactics or Strategies That Are Essential or Very Important to the Organization. Again, not surprisingly, your public-facing website is in 94%. It stayed stayed the same year over year. And moreover, mobile responsiveness is still high in the 90%. And then the third tactic within the 90 percentile is having a social media account like Facebook. Those are all in 90% or plus. Does that surprise you? No, because I mean, it, it's where people are spending time, you know, whether it is important or not, you know, it, it's going to surface that way. Now, I do think we've seen you know, that they even saw a 7% jump in social media accounts uh, over the last two iterations of the survey. And I think some of that's just because of, of one of these that's on here below it, which is uh, online reputation is at 78%. And so I think, you know, social is seen as an outlet for a lot of that. So we're starting to see more questions come through those channels and the reviews, certainly. Two others that fall right below that are content marketing, which jumped up a lot, 10 percentiles points over the last year. 77% of health systems feel that content marketing is essential or very important to their organization. Right behind that is location-based marketing. Interesting. Because of some of the jumps of these uh, that we've already mentioned, CRM for the first time has fallen out of the top five. And then if you look on down past that, personalization and marketing automation are, are right at the bottom. Another indication that people are struggling with the technology potentially, but also the implementation and the, uh, I guess, usage or execution of a lot of these. Surprising that CRM is out of the top five is very important to your organization. It just just baffles me, baffles me. Why we're seeing some of the, the dips in like say CRM. And this particular slot is, is talking about the challenges uh, and even the barriers uh, that impact or affect the digital marketing efforts. Some of these sound the same, Reed. I think we could probably say off the top of our heads, anecdotally, we knew the top three are what they are. First one is lack of staffing. Yep. 
we don't have enough people to do what we want yep. to do. And I think, you know, even though it is in the second position, it did get a 10% uh, drop over the last year, uh, but it's the lack of funding. So it went from 58 to 48 percentiles from 17 to 18. And so I think apparently, you know, more people than last time feel like they're getting the money that they need, you know, and even lack of staffing has come down to some degree. But if you look down at the ones that have grown, it's things like we can't adequately demonstrate ROI. Uh, our objectives are unclear. We can't demonstrate its impact on our overall brand. So again, it's it's all ROI or engagement focused type things that have grown over the last year. So still, staffing's a big deal. Funding's a big deal. Making change within our organization is difficult. We lack the tools, you know, et cetera. But all those are trending down over the last couple of years. Although they're still big percentage points, but they're trending down. The ones that are trending up are the, okay, well, we got the stuff, but, you know, we're, we, we can't show that it's effective. Yeah, we just don't know how to use it well, right? We have uh, another one is inefficient business practices. It's a super interesting report. And um, I mean, it's it's just, it's a wealth of information and uh, has a lot of really, really great things in here. I mean, this is, you know, 65-ish pages uh, of content. We only hit yeah. on, you know, maybe a half dozen or so. What Mike talks about, he'll give you a little history of the survey and some of the some of the key findings they they thought were, were interesting. But most importantly, I think is how you can participate for the 2019 iteration. Hey, download resources like this, use them with your new organization because uh, a benchmark is always a good thing, and and this will help us uh, understand where we are and where we need to be. Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast, I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would, I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website, but, but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com. All right, welcome to the podcast, Mike Schneider. How's it going? Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Reed? Good, good, good. Well, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. Chris and I have kind of been going through the fourth annual port, I guess, that's that's only been out, oh gosh, uh, not very long now, right? Yeah, about three weeks. I think we released it uh, right at the end of January. For those who are not uh, familiar with, with you, uh, with Greystone. Maybe just take just a second, give a little bit of your background and then Greystone. My name is Mike Schneider. I'm an executive vice president and principal at Greystone. And I've been here at Greystone since 1997, which is hard to believe. Uh, time <laughs> just flies. And the internet was obviously a completely different place back in 1997. And I work together with Kathy Divis. She's my business partner. And, and together we we do a lot of things at Greystone. One of the things I think a lot of folks probably recognizes the Healthcare Internet Conference or HCIC. We're the responsible party for putting that conference together every year. We get a chance to, to see a lot of the things that are going on in, in digital and healthcare. And in addition to that, at Greystone, um, we have a long practice related to consulting work. Uh, we help organizations develop organizational strategies relate, related to their digital footprint. We have a product called G-Site, which is a survey that comes up on hospital and healthcare system websites and allows folks to measure the voice of the digital consumer. This is, and, and 
people have obviously heard this a couple of times now, the fourth annual. So, um, you know, the first year you guys did this was 2015. Is that right? Is That's that, correct. Is that, yeah. Maybe talk for just a second about uh, the background and, and, and why you guys started doing this report. At Greystone, we have, I mean, even back to the 1997 date that I threw out, we have always been keenly interested in benchmarking, not just understanding what one individual institution is doing, but getting a, a sense of what's happening in our industry as a whole, and then being able to provide that data back to folks who don't really have a relative understanding of their own information. Back in the old days, I used to say, you know, when someone would get 20,000 visits to their website and they would start patting themselves on the back and say, wow, we had 20,000 visits to our website. It it seems like a great number until you find out that most people have 80,000 or 100,000 and then, and then it doesn't seem like such a great number. So You know, we've always had that kind of keen interest in this industry as it started to grow. And in the past couple of years, one of the one of the big things I think we've all seen happening is traditional marketing starting to give way to more um, digital tactics. And so the question became, you know, how is that happening? You know, what with what speed is it happening um, to what degree are different organizations mastering certain digital aspects of the industry? We felt like we needed some metrics to get some relative understanding of how quickly it was happening and to what degree it's happening. That's really how this all started. I think, you know, back in 2015, one of the organizations that we partner with quite a bit is Klein and Partners. And they're a, kind of like Greystone is to the industry in terms of digital strategy. Klein and Partners is the same way in healthcare with market research. We spent some time working with them to develop the survey, and um, we agreed that what we needed was some kind of an ongoing metric to get an understanding of how this space is changing over time and what kind of information we might be able to provide to to the providers that are in the space um, to get a relative understanding of their efforts. It's so hard, especially in the hospital world, to get a benchmark around things. You mentioned the web visits. You know, it's the same thing with you know in the transparency space now, or reputation management space, and trying to understand you know, is this good? Is this normal? Is this bad? You know, that that kind of thing. So I think this is great. Uh, Maybe talk for just a second, the types of people that that you're interviewing uh, or that are participating in the survey, what what types of organizations and and even individuals that are taking it, what what does that look like? At first, and this was kind of when we started on a wing and a prayer, you're hoping that you'll get people who will actually take 15 minutes to go through a big survey like this. And so at the beginning, I think we sent it out to a lot of friends and family in the in the space in hopes that we could talk them into taking some time to fill out the survey with really the only incentive being getting a copy of the report when it's over. We saw that we had really good participation. Um, you know, in the first year, we had about 200 completed surveys. And, you know, in terms of the stratification across the industry, a lot of folks refer to themselves as a health system. Um, we had uh, roughly 20% of the folks that, that identified as an academic medical center, I think about 10% that were community hospitals, and then about 5 to 6% that were children's hospitals and, and just a small number of cancer centers. And in terms of size of bed, um, one of the great things is we felt like we had a really even distribution there. So we categorized it into small places like under 200 beds, and then we went all the way up with a couple of different categories up to a thousand plus, and we found that we had pretty much an equal number in each of those segments. And and over the course of time, it stayed fairly steady. It was interesting. So back in 2016, we we had a, or 2017, I guess it was, we had a little bit of an anomaly because we started finding folks deferring to their marketing agency or their ad agency to fill out the survey. And so with that data, one of the things that we found at first, we said, hey, that's a pretty good idea because maybe those folks have a better understanding. But what we found is they were willing to overinflate their confidence and their abilities <laughs> because they weren't the actual participant, let's say, or the uh, actual provider. So, so we backed away from that in 2018, and the nor- and the data came back and became a little more normalized. But there was there were a few little anomalies in 2017 that we had to to go back and clean up um, because of that. You know, Chris and I have talked about just some of our thoughts around different components, but this is a pretty extensive uh, survey. And so, um, you know, we, we encourage everybody to, to download a copy, go through it. There's some key takeaways under the executive summary. You know, may, maybe go through some that, that stood out to you um, and let, let's kind of dissect those or talk about those just a little bit. The first thing, you know, that we find, and and this may not be a surprise, but but 
what we find is there is some variation across organizations in terms of what they believe digital marketing actually is. On one end of the spectrum, I think you've still got some folks in our industry who think that digital marketing is their website. Obviously, there are other folks who think that it's a much more exhaustive de- definition and that I think the question you know, kind of becomes where you draw the line. But one of the things that we learned in this study is that, that it's becoming more inclusive of a, a lot of different things that, that touch uh, both the web and I guess the technical side of marketing. And so, you know, now we're really looking at when we think about digital marketing now, now in the world that we live in in 2019, we're looking at everything from social media to online advertising, paid search, CRM, marketing automation, websites, um, e-newsletters. So there are a lot of, I think, moving parts to this. You know, I guess that's one of the takeaways is just the evolution of what is included in digital marketing. When you look at websites, it's not probably a shock to you or anybody else, but, you know, 100% of organizations now have a website where, you know, back in the old days with Greystone, there were still, there were times where you would talk to folks and, and you were working with them on their very first web strategy. And we're seeing that kind of happen with CRM. It wasn't that long ago in our own study where we saw it was under 40% that had CRM or had started to venture into that area. And now we're up to 60% of folks that have CRM and it continues to grow every year. You know, I grew up in the South and and I'm a good old Baptist guy. And there was always the joke that, you know, you could ask 10 of us our opinion and get 11 back. <laughs> right. It's kind of the same deal a little bit. And so I think as an industry, we're having to make some concerted efforts to really lock down what we mean, even from a, a taxonomy standpoint for some of these terms. Like, really, what does that mean? Because otherwise, it becomes really hard to convey some of this stuff back to folks outside of our departments or our silos within these organizations, be it leadership or the board, to try to you know justify what it is that we're doing. So that's interesting. Um, what, what else, what else jumped out to you? What, one thing, and, and I, I feel like this is kind of the 50,000 foot takeaway that, that I gathered, you know, as we're kind of looking at the data, one of the things we have is we, we call it the, um, healthcare marketing confidence grade. And we asked folks, how confident are you in certain strategies related to digital marketing? And, and the three kind of bigger categories, um, that we saw big increases in confidence in over the last couple of years were, website strategies, social media, and and what you would term digital marketing. But the fourth category, the fourth kind of big category, which was CRM, we actually saw the opposite. So we saw um, the line going down, meaning that folks are having less and less confidence in their CRM efforts. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's it's interesting. We asked ourselves that question and we dug in, you know, a little bit on it. And and I think what you find is that with website and social media and even digital marketing, the, when you put your arms around it, those are those are more known quantities. They they've been around a little bit longer, and they and they also have you know a fixed number of bulleted points as to what is actually included in all of that. I think you know what we're seeing is that in CRM it's a big task, and there are a lot of moving parts that go with that. And I don't feel like marketers really have their arms around it completely yet, and maybe they're still learning a little bit. At the beginning of CRM, you know, you were kind of accepting a sales pitch on on what it was like and how it was going to work, and you assumed that that's the way it was going to be. And when you got, you got into the nitty-gritty details, it, it was more complicated than I think most folks thought, and I think that's what we're seeing in this data. And I'll even go further to say um, you know, and, I, and I'm not picking on any particular CRM vendor. I just think the idea that was sold was that this was going to fix everything, maybe even replace people or be in lieu of manpower, you know, kind of a deal. People are now figuring out that actually this means we need more people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I don't think the idea of success uh, was well supported throughout the process, past the sales process. And some of that's my fault as a consultant or, uh, the CRM vendor's fault is the way that they promised this would work. And in two, we're getting pressed from senior leadership or those, um, you know, writing some of these checks, you know, to show me the value, like show me the, the actual ROI. And we're having a hard time communicating that back. And so we're losing some confidence to your point. You know, it's the catch 22, I think, that we have with healthcare technology a lot of times that our senior leadership wants a soundbite explanation of how it works. And so when you're a marketing person or a consultant 
when and you're trying to pitch the idea of CRM, you've got to figure out how to fit fit it into five slides or 15 minutes to be able to explain it to the CEO. And that makes it seem so simple. When in reality, it's extremely complicated and it involves a, a lot of sometimes incongruent data. I think what we've done is we've oversimplified it in our pitch and, and in some of our expectations when in fact, you know, it's a fantastic, really valuable tool, but it's, it's complicated. What else? Well, I, as previously mentioned, you know, the, the term digital marketing continues to grow. And, and I just think it's interesting of note that there are some kind of new things that are falling into that array. Um, and over time, you know, we've considered just con- continue to see it grow. In the last couple of years, we saw things like retargeting and geofencing pop up in the list. And this year we saw uh, voice search make its first appearance on the list. So it'll be interesting just to see how that goes. I know, you know, in the past we've seen some things kind of pop onto the radar screen and then they're gone. You know, if you remember from a couple of years ago when we were asking questions about social media, Periscope all of a sudden became pretty popular and then it's completely disappeared from our list in the last year. So I and Google Plus is probably one of those. It was there for a while and now it's gone. So I think that happens, but it's it's fun to kind of watch those indicators come and go and, and some of the different tools pop in and out. And um, I'll be interested to see where voice search goes. Voice is interesting. I, I will be really curious to see, you know, in future, you know, like next year's and the following years, is that if that continues to grow or is that just kind of a flash in the pan? Everybody has an echo dot and they feel like they need a skill, you know, or, or whatever. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm curious about that one. I don't have a prediction for it. I love it at my own house, but I don't know in the future how that fares for healthcare. And um, and so it'll be just interesting to watch. Do you see places for disruption uh, around the te- on the technology side of the equation? I mean, do, do you feel like any of this is ripe for you know somebody coming in with the with the right solution, whether that be for an intranet or for you know a CMS or a way to do things? I mean, does anything anything pop out to you? Definitely, Reed. There, there are a couple of areas in particular where I think, you know, we see that happen and we've seen it happen in cycles in the past. So content management systems is a great example of that. Um, you know, anybody who's been in the industry for a while probably remembers the days when, you know, this, it was pretty much dominated by MedSeq and um, CareTech and, you know, a couple of companies that really where the platforms are either on the way out or don't exist anymore and, uh, and what you find today, you know, as opposed to some of the more, the more closed platforms is that it, it's being replaced by some of the more open platforms. So Sitecore has kind of proved itself to be more open and better capable of integrating with some of the, uh, the big EMRs and, and some of those kinds of things. So I think that's how Sitecore gained momentum. Um, we also saw Drupal and surprisingly WordPress um, popping up as, as tools that organizations are using to manage content on the web. So what we find is the disruption in that market, I think, in in general, has been the ability to have a a tool that's got a little more open capability and could be a little easier managed and is also, you know, a little better at integrating with internal systems. There's just a wealth of of information and and takeaways, even just within the executive summary, uh, not to mention all the other slides and charts and things like that. Uh, Again, we'll link to this in the show notes where folks can go download their own copy. For those that have not seen this before and maybe want to participate, does that happen a certain time of the year? Are there ways that, that folks can get involved and take this the next time around? Yeah, absolutely. So for 2019, we've started to kind of lay out the calendar for this project. And um, and our goal this year is to have the survey out in October. What we'll be doing is we'll have it marketed and um, communicated through our own Greystone newsletter. Um, we'll have it on the Greystone website. Um, we do use the some of the mailing lists that are out there. So the HCIC website, if you've been to HCIC before, you'll probably get an invitation to take the survey. But look for it in, in October. And uh, we'll be talking about it at HCIC this year as well. So there will still be an opportunity to take that survey when you come to the conference this year. Very cool. Very cool. Well, and, and let us know. We'll be sure to mention it here on the show as well and, and, and try to try to get people over to, to take that. Because, again, I think, you know, the more people that take this and, and it's just it's just good information and uh, continues as an industry to give us give us some sort of a benchmark. Uh, why don't you give a quick plug for the conference 
uh, for, we talked about the survey, but maybe if, if people want to follow up with you, whether that be Greystone or you uh, specifically, what's the best way uh, folks can do that? Absolutely. So as far as, as connecting with Greystone, um, you can contact any of us at Greystone by simply going to our website at www.greystone.net and, um, and you'll find us there. And my email is mschneider at greystone.net. So feel free to reach out to me too. And, and through either of those methods, you can get a copy of this report. The white paper is out there on our website as well as other information about our company. Um, and for HCIC, that website is hcic.net. Um, the 23rd annual is going to be held this year in Orlando, and it's the first week of November, as it usually is. We're excited about, about being there, um, and we actually have the call for speakers open right now. So that'll be open through the end of February, and then the programming um, and the brochure should be out um, mid-June or um, early July. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Call for speakers. That's a good one. Those that are listening, go out there, check that out. Uh, put your name in the hopper and um, be sure to go. It's a great conference. So, well, Mike, thanks for, thanks for spending a few minutes and I uh, appreciate you coming on and look forward to having you back in the future. You bet. Thanks for the opportunity, Reed. All right, and a special thanks again to uh, Mike Schneider. Uh, be sure to connect with him personally online, not just Greystone, but but certainly track them down as well. Uh, Healthcare Internet Conference is always uh, is always a blast, and uh, be sure to mark those dates on your calendar. Uh, Chris and I will certainly be there. Before we get into recommendations and things like that, speaking of being there, uh, as you are listening to this show. Uh, the Texas Hospital Association annual conference is about to kick off and I'm doing a presentation on reputation management. So if you happen to be at the conference, uh, let me know. Love to sync up. And then of course we have South by Southwest and then we get into uh, the healthcare marketing physician strategy summit in May and away we go. So yeah, absolutely. I get so jealous of this time for you, Reed, because South by Southwest still something on my bucket list that I need to do sometime. Absolutely. It's it's a lot of fun. If you haven't ever been, uh, anybody out there, if you haven't ever been, the health and med tech, which is what they call it now, uh, that particular track of content is really great. But so are all the other ones, um, sports and hospitality and social impact. And I, there's just there's lots of things that are analogous to healthcare and even have some overlap. So it's a it's a cool conference to come to. What about recommendations? You got one? Uh, yeah, I got an interesting recommendation here. I'm a Spotify listener. Do you listen to Spotify as well? I do sometimes. Yeah. Well, so I do a lot in my car and I use it for, you know, when we do a variety of different activities, even working out, uh, there's a lot of playlists around that you could use for Spotify if you're riding your bike or whatever, all the, all the sorts of things. So the, I'm going to be recommending an app that allows you to use your Spotify to create and share mixtapes with friends. Now I know you could create a playlist in, in uh, Spotify. You could create a playlist of all your favorite songs, but basically what this app will do, it's called pacemaker. What it will do is it will integrate with, with Spotify as you can identify a series of songs and you can create not only a playlist, that's a special playlist that you could share with your friends, but it also allows you to do a mix and out, almost act like a DJ. So you can actually start to blend nice. songs together if you wanted to. And then when you're all done, you can wrap that all together and send it as a playlist to one of your friends in Spotify and they can hear it. I tried it out this week when we were doing workout. We, we typically have workout music, but, you know, it's like one song after another. I tried to bleed them together and it actually made it so that it kept the tempo going, kept the pace going, kept us going at the right, the right time. So it was kind of fun. Pacemaker is the app. Very cool. Um, I have to check that out. I have to actually tell my wife about that. I think she would. I think she would really like that. Actually, I am recommending uh, a book that actually uh, is not mine. Um, I got this for my daughter, and it's really cool for folks that that might find this interesting. But it's actually called "Wreck This Journal," and it's a journal, and every page has you do something. You know, like the the first page may say, like, add your own page numbers. And then the next one says, like, crack the spine and then leave this page blank on purpose. Uh, then there's one that says, like, stand here. And you're supposed to, like, stand on it, you know. 
um, and then draw lines only on this page and, you know, hand prints. And then there's like a bullseye and you throw something at one page and all this stuff. And I've actually got a page of it on my desk right now, just a page that was torn out and is laying here on my desk because it says, uh, sell this page. And so I had actually purchased this page from my daughter. Very cool. Yeah. It's by uh, Carrie Smith is the author and uh, it's called wreck this journal. So anyway, it's really cool. It's just kind of a neat, a neat something to have. It'd be something fun to like carry around in your briefcase or something like that. And you know, as you're sitting in airports or traveling or doing different things, um, you know, there's all kinds of destructive acts that you can, uh, perform. <laughs> it says like, you know, I poke, love it. Poke, poke a pencil through, you know, holes in this page and you know, stuff like that. So anyway, it's cool. It's really cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah. It's called wreck this journal. So another great episode. I, I, hopefully there's some good takeaways here. Please go download the report. Also rate, review, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get it. Touchpoint.health is the website. Sign up for, uh, the TPS report, which is our weekly email. We would certainly appreciate that. A lot of great uh, aggregated uh, or curated content from the industry that comes out each Monday um, and is a, a great quick read in your inbox. So uh, we appreciate the support. And uh, for all of our shows on the network, uh, he is Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.